This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game today. We have Mr. Sean Kirby. Some of you may recognize just a small snippet of his voice from when he was on the Insurance Guys podcast as a guest host. Not. Come on, Hal. You're more worried about talking about taking Hayden out, and then you are uh, dealing with Sean Kirby coming on as a guest host. So we're going to give him the proper guest hosting experience and bring him on Power Producers, and we're going to let him interview us today, number one. But number two, the main reason why I brought Sean on actually is he caught my attention when he booked time with me about six months ago where he had a question about an account. And in the comments, in my HubSpot booking link, it says, if you're a guest on my podcast, please enter your shirt size and mailing address. And he said, I'm not planning on it, but I will be after we talk and it will be epic. So now it's your chance <laughs> to deliver an epic podcast, Sean. I don't necessarily remember that, but I do remember um, one late <laughs> Friday night, I had sent you an email and you responded, and I was a couple Crown and Cokes deep. So <laughs> that could have been what I put on the um, on the memo that when you told me just to schedule some time. That was go. 100% the, the exact conversation that that was spawned from. So anyhow, mm-hmm. I'm just kidding, man. You don't have to interview us, but you can if I you can, want yeah. to. But yeah, no, I, I mean, talk a little bit about your, you're up in Indiana. Performance Group is your agency, but I know just from our conversations and what I remember of them, you guys are a little bit different in that you were sort of born out of financial services, right? Isn't your dad like a financial planner or a relative or something? And, and it's a little bit foggy, but not too foggy. And, and sort of the insurance is something that you're responsible for and you're trying to grow that out from underneath. Uh, the other foundation that the the company was was built on. Yeah, yeah. So actually, it was a master plan written in um, 2004 when he retired um, as a president CEO of a you know a, a life insurance company, and he started his financial practice. Um, moved back to Indiana, and then the master plan was to buy a PNC agency, a tax accounting agency, and then start to create you know this multifaceted. Um, group, and we didn't buy the PNC agency until you know 2017. So. Not did it only take a lot of time, but I was eight in 2004, so it kind of worked out to where, <laughs> you know, by the time I turned 21, we bought the Jeez. agency and I kind of stepped into that. That shoe. even makes me feel old. I see you shaking your head, Dave, but holy shit. 
Well, I'm just thinking at eight years old, Ethan was going to close insurance because you either bought from him or you were going to miss be missing bushes in front of your house or something. <laughs> like that. So rip your landscaping out, put it in his little electric truck and drive it around and dump it in our backyard. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, at eight, I, I, I let him out. He could go on new yeah. business appointments if he wants. Oh, man. Yeah, so I grew up around the financial side and then a bunch of small businesses that we own. So it's been um, fun and normal and trying to figure out how to do it from here. PNC is a whole different animal. Yeah, so talk a little bit about mix, man. I mean, what do you guys look like in terms of demographics of your book? Are you personal, commercial? So it's morphed over time. So um, I would say that, you know, Financial planning is obviously usually designed for individuals. Um, the nice thing is he does own 16 separate business entities. So that kind of puts you in a position in town to where everybody knows you as the business guy. Um, so from a tax perspective, I would say the majority of that comes in from business owners. And now our accounting and payroll practice is actually what's kind of blown up. So listening to a lot of the episodes, I know Kyle's worked in PEOs and on the payroll side and, you know, Quill stuff. So you know, we just hired our first person just to do payroll because our payroll is blown up in the last, you know, six, seven months to where, you know, I'm hoping that's a great lead for all the other lines that we do on the insurance side. It's just part of doing business. Interesting. Oh, yeah. No, that's huge, man. Because one of the things that we require here is, and I mean, I say we require it. I need to probably clarify that a little bit. We don't, I don't like it's preferred. Yeah, I don't walk in with an iron fist and beat on the table and said, you must have pay as you go on your workers' comp or we will not do business with you. I just heavily, heavily insinuate that, right? I mean, we want people on pay as you go because number Well, it's one, really like the only option that we present. And then if it's asked about, then we talk about other options. If <laughs> you somebody know? says, hey, can you put my workers' comp on a few installments instead of pay as you go? I've got questions. Yeah, right? that's a red flag. Why, why is that what you want? You know, and so... I have to believe, man, if you guys have the payroll platform already there, that you're just going to be able to absolutely crush it, you know, in terms of bringing in these workers' comp opportunities and then also selling against PEO using your own payroll platform. Now, how are you guys doing that? Is that something proprietary that you've put together or are you like – because I know, for example, I've been approached multiple times by Mm -hmm. ADP to white label their payroll wholesaler, right? Yeah. And they've come in and said, you can you can do your own payroll and you use all of our technology and everything else. Here's your wholesale rates. And then you can charge whatever you want to make it worth your while. Here's how much I would charge to make it worth my while. Absolutely nothing because I don't want to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying that because I think there's anything bad about it. I just I think I don't for our agency would create more of a headache in a cluster than it would for others. Yeah, no, I mean, we're salespeople. Like, we right. have a sales culture. The The bulk of what we do is sales-oriented. That's mm-hmm. why we don't have a, a, a podcast based on agency operations, right? right? We've got plenty to learn in that spectrum. I mean, we... um so I, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do payroll. I don't like accounting that much. You know, I don't want anything. So we were talking payroll. about before you got on. He was dealing with some accounting stuff, and I, I think I said yeah. gross or something like that. I don't yeah, remember. no, I, yeah, I don't want to deal with it. You know, so. But but talk about that. I mean, are you guys? Did you have something proprietary? Or are you white labeling something? And I mean, how are you marketing that to to gain some traction? Because I, I do think there's opportunities there. And here's the opportunity: if an agency doesn't want to do what Sean's doing, where you guys have it in house, find really good payroll reps that you can trust and work with them, right? Because you do. If you're going to be in commercial insurance, you have to have payroll as an option. 
right? Yeah. You have to at least have somebody that if you're going to go in, they're like, eh, well, you know, we're with this PEO and we really like it because they handle our payroll and all of our HR. If you don't have a solution for all of the payroll yeah. and HR, you're dead in the water. And so we have the solution on the HR side using Mineral to be able to do the online handbooks and all of this stuff that we do from the HR side. But the payroll piece, we just have relationships with a variety of payroll providers that we have contractual relationships with, right? So we do get compensated for it too. We get we get paid for referring payroll, and we disclose that mm-hmm. to our clients. But I mean, I think that, that that's important. So they're more interested in having that solution taken care of than whether right. or not we get paid. They don't even have a clue what they're really paying for and getting anyhow in the relationship Correct. that they're in in many cases. But anyhow, so, all that yeah. to answer your question, answer the question, John, or else we'll, we'll just keep talking all over. <laughs> yeah. No, you're totally fine. So yeah, so um. Have you ever heard of building the airplane while it's in the air? Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of where we were at. So um, obviously with us having a lot of business entities ourselves, we do a lot of personal accounting work. So in the last, you know, decade since accounting has been born in our office, um, we started taking on more and more clients. Um, We have dedicated, you know, it was a four person operation when I got here. Um, We're to eight in four years. So we are growing, but there's hard division lines. You've got, you know, the tax accounting side, the financial side, and then the insurance side. So we're trying to create three-dimensional clients by just showing the, the group of offerings that we have. It doesn't matter which entity you come through. Um, the payroll now, because it's just gotten so busy, people are saying, hey, I don't want this. This is something that's too hard for me to do as a sole proprietor, small business owner. You know, for however much it costs, I can give it to the same guy that does my tax accounting. And then, you know, I didn't even, to be 100% honest, until I started listening to this podcast, I didn't even realize that people were getting business from payroll. So then we started working mm-hmm. with our payroll clients to just pick up work comp and then pick up other lines. And then that's morphed into now. I think I wrote out a Google sheet last night listening to one of your episodes um, talking about how to grow different subsections powered by the performance group rather than just branding the performance group that's you know that's a very vague thing we perform what performance art so it doesn't get us very far so now we've got you know the cfo performance cfo powered by performance group to where we come in and we'll act as a third party nice so i think it, it leads to a lot of options yeah absolutely no i think it does um you know it also helps you stay in tune with what's going on for audit issues and everything else that can happen and you can help your clients avoid things because you're seeing it in real time man i mean for us you know one of the things that i do is i provide my clients with a spreadsheet in fact i was just working on one this morning every time we bring a new client on i create a spreadsheet um for my client uh that is basically helps them track their exposures for both GL and workers comp. Now they're doing workers comp pay as you go. And most of the time, many times they're just doing a monthly self audit. They're not integrating with their payroll company. Some of them are, but um, for all practical purposes, they're all going in and do it. They're entering that payroll in monthly self audit. And so we take that payroll report and we have to have them go into this Excel spreadsheet and do the same thing, enter their payroll numbers for the GL, assuming it's not a sales-based rating. It's a, 
a payroll base, which most of my stuff is service contractors at this point, and it's all based on payroll. So, but they can go in and I put the formulas in that says, here's how much, here's how much premium you bought essentially at the beginning of the year with your estimated payroll. And when they key the payroll number in, it'll automatically divide by the thousand and then multiply by the rate and shows, here's how much you used this much this month. And here's how much you have left. So if they do that three months in a row and they don't have any left, it's a pretty good indication we need to make a midterm policy adjustment and increase that sales exposure so they can pay in over the rest of the policy period, you know, or at six months, or at the very least know that they have to be accruing that money on a monthly basis. And it'll tell them, here's how much you should have in your account if you're going to write this one check for this. And so you can communicate it in real time, period. And that's a huge advantage for us because people aren't doing that. You know, I can walk into any service contractor in Tampa right now and I can say audit or certificates and I'm going to immediately start a conversation. So if I've got a solution to what we do, even though it's a manual process for us to put that together, how hard is it to write a, a, a formula in an Excel spreadsheet that automatically calculates based off of known numbers? Like there's nothing magical about that. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's some, you know, beautiful Leonardo da Vinci-esque, you know, dashboard looking spreadsheet with all kinds of graphics on it. It's a quick and dirty spreadsheet that I have to remind them multiple times, do not hit delete or you will delete out the (laughs) formulas. Just hit zero if you want to zero this out or whatever, you know, but it's a huge benefit to my clients in a great wedge at the point of sale. Yeah, especially if we could integrate that on our payroll side. It's not even touched by you or the client. It's mm-hmm. just part of the process. And yep, then it's absolutely. set with the monthly reports anyways. They go through. They've got everything, you know, item by item. And I, I think it's a great opportunity to not only grow revenue on the insurance side, but then obviously you get to call it cross-sell other lines of business. It's truly you become part of their business in every aspect. So you said you brought on somebody that did payroll before. Is that what I caught there? Yeah, we are kind of heading up that aspect of it for you guys. Yeah. So we've always um, had. So, I mean, like, realistically, we're small, small, small business, just like everybody else in central Indiana. We're Main Street. It's nothing special. So Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years, we've started to hire more and more people, young people that want to grow entities. And, um, you know, payroll finally got enough behind it to where one person's not doing three jobs, we can hire somebody just for that to where now we can build that practice rather than being, you know, what's our capacity. So for us, mm-hmm. it, that makes a huge difference. I was listening to um, the episode you guys did with um, the financial planner, the fee only one yesterday or earlier this week. Oh, and I he forgot said, that I put that up, man. It, yeah, it's on YouTube. You must have seen it on YouTube. I did watch it on YouTube. I watched I it last night. It, it doesn't even drop till tomorrow. So you're ahead of the game, dude. Oh, no way. Uh, very good episode. Yeah. <laughs> so I did watch that um, to completion while I was watching the Colts somehow just fall to pieces last night on Monday Night Football. Just what absolutely- was that all about? I went to bed with like <sighs> seven. I, like the Ravens scored and brought it to an eight-point game. And I was like, if I stay up, they're going to tie the game. I'm going to have to watch overtime. I'll be up till midnight. I'm not doing that. And that's it seems like exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, I watched a lot of kickers miss kicks over the weekend and then to watch Rodrigo oh, Blankenship wow. just fall to pieces over the, you know, in, in the final seconds just really broke my heart. I knew it was going to happen, though. Was it a deep kick? 
Because he was uh, having some 49. sort of leg issues. Like it, it wasn't. Yeah. But he got one blocked. He missed an extra point and something else. And then he missed the game winner. And then I was just like. Mm. Mm. Somewhere, somewhere, Adam Vinatieri was laid up on the couch with a butt heavy, soaking his knees, thinking, I got one more left Schlubs. in me. Schlubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of missed kicks this weekend. It was bad. It was. Uh, a lot of I mean, ugly football. I don't know. Freaking Mason water. Crosby, man. Crossbar, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was an ugly football game, and I didn't realize like I watched it and I thought Lamar was playing good, but then I saw his stats at the end of the game, and I was like, oh my gosh, he basically had, like, all second half they got just, they got dominated in the first half, but yeah, so but yes, yeah, so I listened to that and I listened to the field only planner talk about how he had given the advice to hire early even if you can't afford it, and then it drives you to do things, and that's kind of you know we're finally in that position to grow that part of our business because you know I think it's a, a need and people don't like sitting on phone with um, you know these big big houses where they can't get somebody directly or right away and mm-hmm. and we still have contractors come pick up their paper checks so we stamp them for them and they head out the door wow. so that's helped our you know everything else that we do grow a bunch and a really good name recognition for us locally. Nice. You know, it's it, it's interesting though because it's all everything's a matter of perspective, right? And I've got this guy that I've got, a, and he'll know I'm talking about him again. I'm always talking about him, especially on Tuesdays because our calls every Tuesday. And you know, we were we were going back and forth over the weekend, and he was asking me a question about if I knew something or other about drug testing, this, that, and the other. Okay, I don't even remember the context of it, but. Basically, I told him, you know, I would recommend that you go to your client and offer them the ability to do in-house drug testing because I know a guy who owns a company that you can do the drug tests literally on the spot. There's a chain of custody form. The results are guaranteed. Like, it's not, it's nearly impossible to get around this. And it's much more reasonably priced than sending your people to a clinic. And so he asked me and I told him and I said, this is what I would do. I would recommend this to your client. It's probably less money for them and what, or whatever else. And the first Are you thing, talking about like pre-employment or if there's injury or post-accident, or either one. Or, yeah, right. all of them, yeah. all, of, all okay. of the above. Got it. And, and, and so the, the message he wrote back to me said, do you know, do you know if I can get a commission on the drug tests? And I'm like. Like I was speechless for a couple of minutes and then I just wrote back and I was like, bro, you've got to change the denominations that you're thinking in. You're tripping over hundreds to get to singles. You know, you want to focus on writing staffing accounts, right? That's what you want to write. One of the biggest issues you have in staffing accounts. Look, I'll go ahead and say it. Rent a drunks, quality of the people that you're getting, right? You're not getting fine upstanding citizens to come swing a sledgehammer you know on a daily basis for the wages that these places pay so you have to have protocols in place these staffing companies drug testing bills have to be through the roof yeah and so i i just told him you know when we were on our call this morning i'm like look i said it's not lost on me that we had this conversation over the weekend and you know I wanted to follow back up with it. I said, because here's where my head is. I said, this is why I tell you, you need to change your perspective and you need to change the denominations that you're thinking in. I gave you a solution that I can assure you is a pain point for your prospect or client that will either get you that business or retain the business for you. And the first thing out of your mouth is, can I get paid a little bit more money by selling these drug tests and get a commission? I said, if the drug test is 35 bucks and they're going to give you 10%, is that $3.50 really worth something to you? Let me talk to you about 
how I would have looked at this same thing. And I don't say this from a point of, oh, look at big me standing on top of the mountain. This is how I think. I just want people to understand the difference between somebody who has a scarcity mindset and somebody who has an abundance mindset that's entrepreneurial. And I said, I just gave you a freaking gold dagger that you can literally plunge into the heart of your competition on staffing accounts every single time. And here's what I mean by that. Now you can go in and you can open the door by saying something along the lines of how much are you spending annually for drug tests? I have a proprietary system that we've put in place that will cut those costs by almost 50%. Are you going to get an audience at that point? You're absolutely going to get an audience. Did you say anything at all about insurance? Absolutely not. And I said, how many staffing accounts can you get in front of that are 20, 30, 40, $50,000 in revenue because now you have this tool. You're not paying for it. You're passing the cost on to them. They're paying for it directly. You're only making an introduction, but you're worried about getting a commission off of selling drug tests to one account. And I'm sitting here thinking you could dominate the entire staffing industry if you got your value prop right. And you led with that, right? You're leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars of revenue on the table because you're worried about 350 per test in commissions. Doesn't make any sense. Nope. I mean, that's a great point. I I told him, I'm like, do you know how many times I have invested in loss control from a third party before I ever even write the insurance for that account because I'm betting on the fact it's going to work? Do you think that I take... And that's an investment for me because I know that if that account is 50 grand in revenue and I spend a thousand dollars to have somebody who is an expert in loss control in that industry go in there and prepare a report for me that I can then get information I would never have come to on my own and I can use that to drive wedges. And if all I spend is a thousand for 50,000 in opportunity, I'm going to take that bet every single time. Well, I'd I'd like to point out how you. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to point out how you refer to that as an investment and not an expense. I think that's Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing, man. Like that would be like me going to the loss control person and said, Hey, I want you to come in, I want you to do a, a loss visit and assessment on this account. I'm gonna go ahead and bill my client and she's gonna pay you or he's gonna pay you the thousand dollars and I'm gonna daddy's gonna need ten off the top. I'm gonna need ten percent off the top. Yeah. So you can send me a check for a hundred when I've got fifty thousand in revenue opportunity sitting over here hinging on this deal. That's the craziness in that thought process to me. But there are a lot of people listening to this that are going to do it exactly the way the other dude did. They're not gonna. They're not willing to put that out there. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense in my brain to operate that way. And I don't know if that's just because that's how we do things here or... Have you ever, in your entire time at Florida Risk, have you ever seen me complain about spending money to go get new business? No. And I mean, again, I think it's when it's the mindset and you have to go in looking at things as an investment and an opportunity versus an expense. So like, oh, this is going to cost me... You know, it, it's it's almost like when you're like doing stuff in your house, you're getting ready to sell it. I mean, you're like if you're complaining that you've got to pay 8K to fix the kitchen, but then you're going <laughs> to end up picking up 25 in, in value when you when you sell your house, it's kind of ridiculous. Everything's a business decision, man. It doesn't right. matter what it is, right? It's just like yeah. when we were talking, when he, he said, give me an example. I said, I'm going to give you a great example, HubSpot. I didn't have the money for that. We've spent a quarter million dollars over the last two and a half years on HubSpot between what we've paid Lefevre to program it and what 
HubSpot itself costs. And that was done on a deal that was supposed to happen that didn't. And I had a decision to make. I either pay what my contract says, because there's not a snowball's chance in hell they're letting me out of my contract, or I double down and pay to build it out and actually have it start doing what it's supposed to do to generate revenue for us. And I chose the latter. That wasn't cheap for me to do, but I knew and I believed enough in what I was trying to do. And I believed enough in our ability to close the business if we could get the business in the doors that to me, I didn't do it. I did it without a, even a second thought. And what I explained to him was, you know, if that would have failed miserably, I wouldn't have the agency right now, right? Like there's been crucial times in the development of the agency where I've been a riverboat gambler, man. I've just, you know, as conservative as I am in the advice that I give to my clients, there's times where I just have to, I have to make a decision. Am I going to lay it all out on the line? And do I believe in my own ability and my team's ability enough to execute that if I make this bet, that it's going to pay? And I will make the bet on us 100% of the time, period. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the problem with that is our job is to mitigate risk for others. So (laughs) a lot of them that are agency owners, they take their own advice a little bit too hard and they have, they don't want any risk. That's why you see legacy agencies have been doing this for 40 years that, you know, their growth is negative 1% year over year, but they're still making $250,000 a year. So why does it matter? Right. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the thing. If you're fine with that, great. You know, live at 250. I want 2.5 million a year. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be satisfied. And it's entrepreneurship though. And if I'm at 2.5 million, I want to be at 25 million, right? Like I'm never going to be satisfied. And I don't think that that's unhealthy. That's just how what, I, what I'm motivated by and what pushes me. You know, truthfully, I could buy whatever I want right now. I could probably actually at 48 stop working. I wouldn't be able to live as completely a comfortable lifestyle as what I have right now, but it wouldn't be far from it. You know, mm-hmm. my wife would have to keep working for that to happen. Dude, you'd be but bored as shit within about. It'll never happen. You're like, even yeah. that's the thing, man. Even if I, I do, would too. Like, I'm gonna exit it someday. I'll, I'll have my hands in something. I, I always thought, yeah. like, if, like if I win, if I hit the Powerball, like, I would still keep. I'll working. be back at work. Like, you know, come Just on, Powerball, kidding. test me a little bit. Let's see if yeah, I'll no put shit. my money where my mouth is. <laughs> right. Just give me a little I would, taste. Though. I'm not asking. I, I mean, for it's all like I'd be bored. Like I'd. I'd go on a couple trips and then, you know, the, the, you know, I'd play golf for like a few weeks straight and I'd be like, okay, this is, I would I'm buy bored. Black Diamond and fix it is exactly what yeah, I would do. Dude, so, so a little bit of, um, a little bit of sour news on that, on this, on this trip that I was on, um, a couple pros were on it and, um, some of them are kind of based out of Florida and they were and and, and Black Diamond came up. We were just talking about courses in the, in the, Tampa Bay general vicinity. And, um, so I asked, you know, if, if, if he had played it recently and, and he said, yeah, and it was just kind of in disappointing shape. Um, and, 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 and that kind of sucks. I know that, I know that during COVID it, it went downhill a little bit and, and they, you know, kind of neglected it because they didn't have staff to take care of it. The maintenance crew was thin. Um, and then the, uh, they weren't getting as much play, so they weren't bringing bringing in the greens fees to, to pay for things. But I had thought that it had bounced back all the way. I I would be willing to go and give that a give that a look firsthand before I make any <laughs> make any judgments. But well, I mean, the I air was conditioner a, was like thirty years old. What's that have to do with COVID? It, it, well, that, that that part's true, but um, yeah, I don't know. Since we were on the topic, I, I thought I'd share that little nugget of information that I received. But I'm hoping that. Uh, that his standards were just a little bit too 
too high <laughs> and that it's in okay shape. But anyways, can I what just ask about? why these Boston Stanley caps keep showing up in my Facebook news feed? There's, There's a 0% chance I'm ever going to buy one of those. I, I don't know what, you, John, what, you what, could what you're talking that. about. I don't know what you're talking about, but I just heard the word Boston. And, yeah, and what's a Stanley cap? Still... It's the uh, newspaper boy hats. You know what I'm talking about. Sort of yeah. like a Kangol, but for white guys. Okay. Yeah, you you got to get one of those. Although Bruce Arians, white, Bruce, Arians, Bruce Arians rips the Kangols. Yeah, he does. I mean, look, I that wasn't a, a racially discriminatory remark. It's just that all my okay, friends that are whatever, John, are whatever, John Gruden. <laughs> you want to talk about a train wreck? Woo. Seriously. Gruden, he'll never recover from that, man. No, he's done. Um, you know what? He never yeah. should have left Monday Night Football. Or Hooters. Dude, yeah, he uh, he crushed it on Monday Night Football. But I he, he was, you could he tell that he wanted to that. get back into coaching, and he's a good coach. I mean, that's that's a completely separate thing from from what he's got going on with his. Yes, yeah, you're straight white male with his with his. <laughs> I, schematically is what I mean, but anyways, I felt like I disagree with you. They didn't outplay us. We got we ho- with that game. Man. That game should have been two. That that series should have been two two. Going back to Tampa, we got blown out at home. I understand that we got robbed in Game Three, and there's no, there's, 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 we there's no bones about it. We were up five to nothing. We were up to up five to nothing in Game Number Two. Yeah, and hundred percent, we blew that. We, I, 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 I totally agree. You, you cannot do that. And, and, and I feel but, like last night, honestly, and this is the comments that I've made under, you know, separate cover. But honestly, I feel like. Um, you live by the sword, die by the sword. Yeah. I'm not in. I am not in agreement with the pitching strategy last night at all. So I wasn't, I'm, I'm not I'm really. The, I'm not. I'm not saying that as a guy who watched that guy get his tits ripped, and all of a sudden, yeah. you know, I'm coming. I said that before the game ever started. No. You got to let somebody get into a rhythm, man. You can't. These guys are not. Well, it's closing. the same thing that happened with Blake Snell in in Game Six of the World Series. The, the Kevin Cat, like. I get it. They have success during the regular regular season. They've won the AL, uh, you know, East a couple years in a row, and and you know have had success in the regular season. But that's not it's a different when deal dance, man. when you get in the postseason, man. And and his, I just I, I don't know enough about baseball to really give an educated comment on it, other than it seems like his gimmicky strategy has not paid off in recent postseason. So yeah, I agree. Whatever. I'm not a fan of it, man. Having yeah. played, you, you know, if you're going to go in and pitch one inning at a time, you, you, you're a closer. Like, you have to be wired like a closer. Well, like you said, you can't get into any type of rhythm. No, if you're a starter and you're going in, your first inning most of the time is always going to be your worst, you know? Right. You put somebody in in the, not, in the third inning and, and, you know, they just pitched last night and they're a starter. It's, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. Anyways. It was just disappointing. I really felt it like was. again we had another chance to to run the Make table a deep and run. trifecta. Deep, I know. I, I was the Rays, Rays are letting up. Rays are letting Champa Bay down, man. They really are. Got to get him the Tampa side of the bay. Period. It's not going to happen. So, Sean, what are you guys doing to generate new business, man? I mean, you got the payroll gig. You're sort of Main Street USA. Do you have outside producers that are operating in your agency? Is everything done in house? Uh, so we picked up a outside sales producer. She does uh, sub benefits, so like the Aflac stuff. So one of the episodes you guys had done a while back was talking about how that's actually affected a lot of loss ratios for people. 
And yeah, she's yeah. got a huge fast food account that she's been working on for years. We just got her property casualty license. And she didn't even realize it, but she's lowered their points by like 0.4 in the last like three years working with them hmm. just on the benefit side. You know what? It's crazy wow. too, man. A lot of those voluntaries, I, I can't speak for anybody outside of Aflac because I've had the most conversations with people I know that, that are Aflac people, but they, the technology that they have and some of the other things that they can provide outside of just the insurance offerings are huge. Like they've got software. I know that depending on account size, if the account's big enough, you can upload your entire employee roster and your job applicants, and it's going to find tax credits that you could get as <laughs> part of a, a, ta- a government tax credit program if you hire people in this demographic. Like if you've got a, an ex-military person, a veteran, versus somebody who's you know not got military That's experience or whatever else, you get a tax credit for hiring that veteran. And I'm not going to botch this because I really don't know the intricacies. I just know that if I've got an account of the right size... I'm going to flip it over to those guys. And yeah, I'm let them absolutely. That. Yeah, she's got a lot of really good resources on her end. And then um, her thing is just finding the confidence to go after these large accounts because she sees the big property casualty numbers. She's just selling benefits and she gets spooked. So lots of um, coaching calls of, you know, we're going to go ahead and kick some rear end. So she's looking at a big logistics company next week and, She's getting her legs underneath her. So we've got some outside sales there. And then a lot of our time and energy spent on um, internal marketing for clients that just have one thing but not the other and creating three-dimensional clients and that sort of stuff, which has done well. Plus, we have a local like, podcast. Like where you, don't, where you don't have all their lines? Is that what you mean? Um, so like say we do your tax accounting, but we don't do your insurance. Okay. Yeah, or we, yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, like, I mean, it's great. Like you guys have all these day. other hooks that you can throw in there with the tax accounting, with the with the payroll. I mean, that you, you just love you're regulation. Sticky. You're, you're yes. all about the regulation. We got smart people that Warren do that G. Stuff. Um, but yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, no, good I, hooks, I, good retention. Right. Exactly. So we've gotten really lucky, and then now we're just trying to, you know, how how is it a scalable piece? You know, it was me, my dad, my stepmom, and Bethany, our receptionist. To now, we've got more and more team members. So, so what does that progression look like in in terms of timeline? Like, I know you said that it started out on the life side, and then you've added all these other pieces. Has that? I mean, that can't be something that you do all at once. That's overwhelming and and would become crazy so like what's what's that look like what's that well I, I guess a couple things so what does that look like and what's been the biggest challenge in implementing all these different facets of your business so it, it took um 15 years just to buy the property casually after you know opening a financial practice mm-hmm. in 2004 so everything kind of happened one step at a time and then as you gain more clients you gain more knowledge from it um, and honestly, when we bought the property casualty agency in 17, um, I probably spent my first two years more as a CSR role than I did a sales role because there were four people licensed in property casualty, but I was the only one that actually worked in the agency and I was 21 and had no mm-hmm. property casualty mentorship. I'll say it that way. So I found outside resources similar to this show. I found, um, the insurance guys podcast originally and you know, Ooh. what? The insurance guys. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with you, man. I love it's those okay. guys. They, don't, they barely Scott know who Bradley, I am. I'm kidding, bros. Now, so, yeah. It's funny, man. I love <laughs> – you need to go back, Kyle. If you didn't listen to the episode when they had Justin Sloan on trying to get votes for Protege, 
It I was don't, I didn't hear that one. Was Scott Hall like, I'll tell you what about Derek Hayden. I don't want to beat <laughs> him. I want the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, he's yeah, exactly he, what I expected him to be. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are good dudes. Those guys are some of my best friends in the industry, man. And I will tell you, they are every bit the same. I mean, all of us are for the most part, man. If you if you actually spend any time with us, but they're exactly the same in person as what you hear. Like it is, right, dude. It, like when we were in Nash, we, or I'm sorry, not Nashville. When we were up in Pigeon Forge for the Young Agents of Tennessee thing, that I was privileged enough to attend with both of them. We're literally standing in front of the go kart place. Scott's like, "We're gonna go go kart racing." I'm like, "All right." I'm in, whatever. I mean, fat guy. You would, you would look like Donkey Kong, and he would be like Bowser. Yeah, we literally look like Mario Kart. Seriously, I mean, and Bradley's bragging because he beat us. Well, yeah, Bradley, you weigh a hundred pounds less. Than <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's go just a bit faster. flying around. <laughs> but, like, like Scott is literally like he's uh, standing there with his cell phone and an external mic. There's this like this twelve year old kid. He goes, "You know what I'm gonna do? My goals make you cry." <laughs> just a complete stranger. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome uh, so awesome yeah. yeah so lucky just to find resources yeah absolutely and then just try to figure out how to then you know follow people online and figure out how to you know start our business and meet people in the industry and since then we've bought a lot of um i would say software that we didn't know existed trying to shove a square peg in a round hole to work around you know three separate business entities let alone you know completely different things and so we're learning a lot every single day and like i said earlier you really are just building an airplane while it's already in the air so we got a lot of credibility during covid um from our business owner clients we had referred i think about 85 clients um to ppp funding i know david did a lot of that as well to where you know you saved a lot of businesses and that's helped us you know a lot plus i mean it helped people stay in business so as for how does it morph like the, when somebody asks me that every single time, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, but it's going to be better than today. So we're trying to find new ways to grow our business, and we have lots of different options, which is the best part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you're in essentially Main Street, USA. How do you scale this thing going forward? You know, honestly, um, so I was down at BrainShare, and um, – I was sitting there talking at one of the quick lunches or something, and Ryan Hanley came up with, because I said franchise it, um, and he goes, Ryan's worked a lot of different jobs high up, and he said, you know, part of the, one of the things he did was try to create a, a scalable um, franchise, and he said, just, it's tough because you can't, you know, garner any of the work product or anything that comes out on the back end. So he suggested actually opening secondary offices with, three uh, business development reps, one that specializes in accounting and payroll, one that specializes in insurance, and the one that specializes in financial. And then all work is done on the back end at a home office. And um, I don't know if that's the right answer, but to me, that one sparked a lot of conversations in our office. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know because it's, it's hard to make sure the work product is the same thing we would do, especially because payroll and tax accounting and Financial advisory can be kind of dicey if you let somebody else have control of it with no controls put in place anyways. What you guys do during COVID? I mean, what I anticipate or what I'm hearing about your agency or your business, because it's more than just an agency, honestly, like you've got like this 
you're kind of, I don't want to say Walmart because it's that's not necessarily the brand I think you're looking for, but you, you basically have like a one-stop shop, man. You have like a super yeah. center that you're running there, but I'm also hearing that it seems like you have a lot of traffic. Like you said, contractors are still coming by, picking up paper checks and everything else. So how do you adapt to that? Um, so we used to, in the last two years have been obviously different. We used to do every single tax meeting in person. Um, so we would have 900 meetings in three months and that was mostly to drive the other lines of business. Um, that face to face interaction obviously gives you more of a opportunity to at least show your other things that you do because tax can become so transactional where insurance obviously comes around every year, but we have Mm -hmm. the same tax clients year in, year out. It's just, you've got them for 20 minutes or 60 minutes or something like that. So we actually, um, we never had an e-signature. Um, until first COVID, so 2020's COVID. And then they extended the deadline till like June. So we went from having a three month tax season to having a nine month tax season and everybody was just overwhelmed and stressed out and done with it. But we learned and adapted and learned how to do things electronically. And then in 2021, unfortunately, fortunately, and I say fortunately because this is a Sad story. My stepmother who does, she's our DOO. She runs all of the tax programs. She um, actually had a brain aneurysm in January and they were on their way to Aruba for the pretext trip and then spent the next 30 days mm-hmm. in the ICU in Newark, New Jersey. Um, she's made a full recovery and she's upstairs working on tax returns. So, but, wow. you know, we, um, we had to learn and adapt in that moment because we went from having, you know, our, our main you know, tax person who did the majority of our tax preparation in all of the payroll and all that, she's yeah. gone. So um, we sat down and split the role three ways. Luckily, we had just hired two people in the last, you know, two years before that. Uh, brought in another person part-time who's getting her CPA. She's in school. So now we're hiring more positions. I think that gave a lot more comfort to that, um, letting go of some of those things that people wouldn't let go of for a decade. So. Like I said, it's unfortunate, fortunate because we're better for it. And now we're starting to grow our business more than we ever have just because of that. I think the franchise model is an interesting one. I mean, it's not something that I would particularly go after because my my problem is, and I mean, I'm not saying that it, it's bad. There's plenty of people who are wildly successful doing it, you know, people that I know. But for me, I just, I got to have too much. I, I, I'm not a control freak, but I got to have control over the brand and how it's being represented, period. Yeah, that's the and, hardest part. And I think that's I think that's where I would struggle um, with with even if I, you know take insurance out of it. If I had a restaurant, right? I know how I want things prepared and presented and all of that. How do I replicate that across multiple locations and all of that? And, and, and that is a flaw so, in me as much as it is anything else because I just need to learn to let stuff go. But you know, I think that would be the issue. That was the first thing I thought of when was brought up and sorry it's a little choppy on my end so my bad if i interrupted but um the uh, i have a restaurant and i'm like it's a little bit more replicable for a franchise to do things the same way because it's i mean you're getting your food from the same place there's instructions you know on how to prepare it you've got the same where with insurance it's different i mean you start getting into especially if you're in different states different laws, different carriers, and it, it's a whole nother ball game there. Um, so I, I do think that's interesting. Yeah, and that's where Ryan's idea I really liked a lot because then you get to control the work product. If it's all done in a home right. office, 
still ran, right. you know, divisionally by whether that's us or somebody that you have managing that. And then that person is just, be, I mean, just doing outside sales. They're just business development reps. So they're commission based based off what they bring in, but they're not doing the majority of the work. Obviously, you would have to train similar to any other PEO when they're training. So as you train people appropriately and there's a good scalable work process, I think it it lends itself to um, good opportunities, not only for the reps, but for the home office and the client. I mean, at the end of the day, it's built for the home or for the client. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. I mean, that's it, everything that we do in this industry from a scalability standpoint boils down to do you have everything formalized? If If the answer to that is yes, do you have it documented? And if the answer to that is yes, is the is that accessible? And can people actually get to it to go through? Like, do you have a knowledge base or a learning center for your new team members when you bring them on so that they have the ability to go and get everything that they need from you to be up to speed? And I think that's a huge thing, man. That's extremely important. Well, if it's what you're preaching to your clients, you might as well do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you look at all the places, and we use the VA example a lot because I think it's that that's something that has to be, you know, you, if you're going to bring a VA in, you have to have your processes that you want that VA to perform be completely, you know, documented and, and put in a place where the VA can go through and learn them. Otherwise, that person's going to sink. Like, there, there's no way they're ever going to be successful. And and I mean, I'm in all of these agent forums online and I just sit back shaking my head sometimes because somebody's like, well, I got a VA that's supposed to be trained in, in Hawksoft. And, you know, it's not, I got them here and, and they don't do anything right. Well, you know what? They may know how to know how to navigate Hawksoft, but they don't know how you use Hawksoft, right? They don't, they don't know how you specifically have your workflows set up. That's up to you to train them. You know, I could bring somebody in to my agency that's trained in Excel. But if I don't explain to them that spreadsheet that I want created for every middle market account that comes in and, you know, for us to be able to track their exposure versus what they predicted, we're out of luck, man. They're not going to just come in and intuitively know to create that spreadsheet because they know Excel. And I think we all, you know, not all of us, but the very best agencies out there that I've seen that have grown or have sometimes, and in some cases, maybe they've caught the second wind because the new generation is coming and they've had some fresh ideas and they decided, you know what? I am going to be in this for the long haul. I'm going to push this thing through and I want to do this this way. Boom. Okay. Great. That's, that, that's awesome. And, and they can document it and, and be able to train people as they bring them in, VA or otherwise. The most successful agencies that I have seen that have been able to scale and sustain that growth though, are the ones that, that realize, hey, process is every bit as important as production is. And that's a gap that we've had in my agency, period. That's why 2021 and really maybe even all of 2022, but if not all of it, at least six months, is dedicated to process. We've got a formalized process. Production is not our issue. But what happens once we get it? You know, we've got the automations in place, but you know, when's the last time we've reviewed those? Some of those are two years old at this point. Do we need to go back and tweak some of our messaging or how things are delivered or whatever else? Or are there things that we can add in? Are there things that we can completely delete? Like, we got to just step back and look at all of that. And I mean, part of that is going through the process of the book Traction, right? 
you know, and putting in the EOS system, the entrepreneurial operating system, you sit down and read that book. I've read it five times, man. It's like reading a children's book, honestly. It's not like it's uncomplicated. It's just so easy to read and such common sense that you sit here beating yourself up for why in the world have I just not done this? This is this makes all the sense in the world when the reality is I've not come up for air in five years, man. I've been out, you know, this this year has been refreshing to me with COVID. Because it allowed me the opportunity to sit back. I did not plan on keeping the pedal to the metal this year. My goal was net new neutral. I just wanted to be neutral as to where I was last year. And we've achieved that. And we've made tremendous strides in a lot of the operational things. But we still have, as much as we've gotten done, we've got that much more to go. And I recognize that. And so, to me, part of it is A, recognizing it. But B, then actually getting behind it and saying, you know what? I might not be the person that is the best qualified to get this done, but I do sign the checks around here and I can hire the person that can get this done. And that's part of looking at it. When we were having the conversation, when I was having that conversation with my guy earlier this morning, he asked me about name your name a time that you've, you've bet and, and how you made a business decision around it. HubSpot is great for so many examples, right? I can hire a consultant to do all my HubSpot programming for me. And it's a fraction of the cost of what I would be able to bill out for hourly in a consulting relationship. You know, why Why would I put myself in a position where I'm going to go and take my time to program HubSpot when I know that I can charge a few hundred dollars an hour for consulting and I can hire somebody for a fourth of that to do the actual HubSpot stuff? Like, that's a horrible business decision if I'm programming HubSpot at that point. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the um, the benefit of us having the tax accounting side is we we talk to people about working on their business, not in their business. And I think more than anybody, insurance professionals can agree that they spend a lot of time working in their business, whether that's producing, servicing or something else, because there's always a fire. you got something to run to, always. So um, looking at things objectively and from the overhead, if like I said, I've said a couple of times is like if we are going to invite this for a client, why don't we take the same advice? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, and outsourcing is the cheapest way to do your accounting, truly. Because what are you going to hire somebody, pay them benefits, and then, well, no offense, we don't spend that much time, life, and energy doing all those things for you. And if we bill 150 bucks an hour, you're still net positive. You don't have all the overhead things that you had with the person taking vacations and family things and, you know, somebody you rely on. We're here, you know, 24 7, 365. So, oh, and it, it's done right. Yeah, and it does help that a professional's doing it. Yeah, so yeah, there, there's just a, a the whole thing, man. I mean, that that's the other piece of it. You know, you should. I think everybody has probably seen the Facebook or social media post going around, uh, and it's been around for a few years now. But it, it basically tells the story of a guy that wants to build a deck, but he doesn't want to pay a professional to build it. The guy's like, "All right, that's fine. You know, go get the lumber. You're going to have to do. You know, here's how much that costs." Oh, well, you're going to need some tools. So here's a list of all the tools you need. You're going to have to go get those. Oh, and yeah, I'll, I'll happily teach you how to do it, but here's how much you're going to have to pay me per hour to teach you. And it just goes on and on and on. That's why, I mean, we are such a fickle industry because we're so focused. We're so cheap with everybody else, but we, we get pissed off when people are cheap with us. You know, we want people to pay us what, what we think we're worth, but then we turn around and we disrespect other people that are masters in their craft by nickeling and diming them or 
just trying to do it on their own. I mean, it just blows my mind. It's crazy. I don't, I don't know that I've seen that in any other industry is, you know, just audacious is what it is in the insurance industry. We're the worst at that. Yeah, well, quotes. I mean, like, hey, give me a quote. You know what I mean? So then we don't feel bad leaving that person on red the same way that it hurts our feelings when they leave us on red because they didn't like the quote. So unless like similar, I, the, the episode that you will release, the one I watched on YouTube last night about fees, you know, that had me thinking all sorts of different ways. You know, I came up with a whole different business consulting coaching piece last night to where, you know, it's, a, it's an offering that it's the performance CFO, an outsource CFO that somebody can objectively come in and talk to you about, you know, let's sit down. You're paying me one way or another. Take my advice or don't work on your business. but it's it's an option and yeah and then listen if you take that to the middle market just take take it out of the picture completely that that your client or your prospect has to pay for this person's services that becomes part of your value add right even if you're paying this person 150 dollars a year to be a fractional cfo for your clients you're bringing them in somebody who has real world experience as a cfo in these organizations that can give them objective third-party information that's invaluable to me that's something that is i'm down the road if i say hey look you know we've got a fractional cfo that we how how awesome would it be if your client is like looking for somebody and you can use this person as temporary placement for them you know or to help them conduct a job search for the new cfo or the new controller that they need or whatever else i mean there's so many different directions you can go with stuff like that and i'm sure that look Here's where I get the hate email from people like, oh, no, that would open up an ENO for you. Okay, well, guess what? Get ENO for financial services consulting. Ain't done. I mean, it, it, maybe it's not going to be covered by your agency services. Get a separate policy for it. And Which, yeah, have multiple business entities. Everybody's so stuck in their agency, they don't think outside the box. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, the, people, the, the, the people that are going to successfully compete against Google, Amazon, and big data are the ones that are able to run businesses a way that they've never been run before in the insurance industry, period. Right? Like, there's nobody that's going to come back. Like, my service staff will always be remote at this point, period. I'm, I have no no need to have them here. I made a sweet studio for me to record in, you know, that was an office with two people. They're not getting that real estate back. I don't need them here. Number one, they're getting more done. They're not having to commute back and forth. And I don't have them standing in my doorway every two minutes with a question interrupting what I'm doing. And I don't mm -hmm. mean that to sound negative, but it forces a different type of communication with your staff when you're not there. And it's actually more effective for us. It's, it's worked out better that way. We've written, we, we've had a banner year, man. 20, September 2021 is the single best month my agency's had in five years. And we're like in the still in the middle, for all practical purposes, of this ridiculous COVID crap. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's um, it's a time for opportunity if you want it. I think um, if you want to, you know, bitch and moan about the things that you don't have, then that's fine. Sell your agency. Every time is the time for opportunity if you want it. Right, that's the whole thing. You just have to find the opportunity and be willing to expand your mind enough to to know where to look for it. So. Well, we lost the beard, man. Apparently, his internet was way worse than I thought it was. Um, he wasn't coming across bad on our end at all, but it no. must have been been brutal for him. What have we not talked about that you wanted to hit coming on today? Um, Protege season two. I heard that's coming out soon. Um, 
you know, I've got I've got some feelers out, brother. I my mind have been working on some stuff last night. Who knows? Do it. Bring it. Love to have you, man. It's gonna be solid. It's been interesting to see how everybody um it's gonna be interesting to see how everybody uh does does with it. You know, the now that we've sort of established season one and what it was like which by the way absolute nightmare from a production standpoint with covid and everything else like it drug on for a year season two not going to be anything at all like that we've got we we know what we did wrong and i mean we'll probably learn some and i shouldn't even say what we did wrong we know some things we probably could have avoided on the front end like number one don't start the challenges before christmas break so we're not even going to start doing that until january of 2022 and then we'll run them, boom, 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 boom. But we, you know, it was just one thing after the other. And then we were trying to figure out how we were going to have the finale. It was supposed to be an innovation that got changed twice. Then Cass pops up and says, "Well, let, why don't you do it at Brainshare? It's at the you know early middle of September." And I was all over that because the last thing I wanted this thing to do was have to go to the beginning of November for innovation. And so, um, you know, we we modified that. But I think we've got it dialed in and. The level of interest is certainly much higher than it was last year. I mean, we had a good turnout last year, but the number of people that have reached out and said they're throwing their hat in the ring, I think that when we get to a top 10, it's going to be a ridiculous top 10. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those things, throwing your hat in there. Um, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, see what comes out of it. So how many, um, people have you had enter already? I know the deadline's what, 11 1? Yeah, it's 11-1, and we've had about 50 people put stuff wow. in so far. Um, I, I figure that it will ramp up much more the closer you get to 11-1. So, I, you know, if we get – we had about 70 – we had seven about, and then I'm going to give you a very odd number. Yeah, we, specific we roughly, number. We had roughly 76 applicants last time. Um, you know, but no, I mean, I, I figure if we get – you know, if we get north of 100, I'll be happy with that. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, so what what does David want to see in those videos? If it's a hundred good ones, right? Like people who actually, so of the 76, I got a lot of them like, I'd really like to participate in this. Great. Well, you probably need to learn to follow directions because you didn't. You know, you were supposed to submit a video and here are the three things I wanted to answer, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, what I, what I would tell you is, um, it's equally as, as much of content as much, as much as it is creativity, right? So, Keating got into the top 10 last time. His video was ridiculous. Like wearing the mullet, trying to get a date. Oh, it's so good. I rewatched it the other day. But that's the whole thing. I had to listen to it like three times because if you know Ryan, Ryan's a bit of a low talker anyhow. And just, you know, he, he I don't want to say he mumbles, but it, it's, it's hard to determine what he's saying. And so I went back and had to listen two or three times. And he had so much dry humor in that that I feel like was lost um, if people didn't go back and watch it two or three times. So stuff like that, you know, I felt like Brady, you know, last time was really entertaining. You know, the production quality of his videos was fantastic. Um, you know, throwing the axe at the tree and all of that, like his, like I would hire Brady to come in and just be a full-time media guy here. Like if you want to handle all of my marketing and video work and all of that stuff, I'll handle getting the business closed. I'll bring you in to do that because he was phenomenal. That was his skill set. And then, you know, then you got Hayden who just worked, man. He had, he had the mixture of everything. He, he had the hard work. He had the work product, you know, the technical piece. Some of his stuff was creative. And I mean, he is not letting up as a coach, dude. He is coming out swinging. He has already called the other two out. (laughs) And like, I love it, man. I love it. Derek Hayden is somebody. And I can say this now because 
truthfully, I had no influence. You know, I had influence over who got to the top five. You know, I narrowed it down that part down based on work product. But early on, I said, this is the guy to watch. Like, to me, Hayden was the guy to watch because he had the Midwestern grit. I just, for whatever reason, I believed that that guy was all in from the beginning. Like, I felt like he was the guy that if, if and you know, if I said, you know what, I'm canceling the show. We're not going to do it. He would have been the one who got his feelings hurt the worst. Like, he was, oh, yeah. he was that bought into it. And so... I always watched in the one that was the big, the one that was the biggest surprise to me was Annabelle when she dropped, when she dropped out, because I felt like she could have won the whole thing too. But Hayden was the one and he, he kept hitting his marks along the way. And, you know, Justin Sloan was an easy one to pick as a favorite from the beginning because I, I, I mean, I've known Justin for a while. I also know that, you know, Paradiso's got a ton of resources that Justin can tap into. So if I was going to bet on the logical favorite, it would have been, it would have been him. Yeah. Well, and I ended up on a TV show or a podcast with him for 15 minutes. So I was betting on him just because I got invited on their podcast first. Otherwise yeah. my money was on him. Look, man, the thing is, none of them did a bad job. Hey, what I, what I told everybody behind the scenes that, that didn't get seen, you know, in season two, the one thing that's got to change is the coaches have to do a better job of, you know, you have to do a better job in your free volunteered role. <laughs> I'm going to criticize you now, but of getting the, getting those one-off zoom meetings so that we have the footage to show some of the coaching and the behind the scenes stuff to me, if I'm watching that from the outside, that's one of the things that was lacking the most. I tried my best to make up for it in my comments as I, as I went through and offered constructive criticism and everything. But I think that coach interaction is key and we've got Rick just again really solid coaches this time. I mean, the people we had last time I picked intentionally because, you know, everybody every team had a podcast host, which I needed that to be able to get word out about the show. And I wasn't, you know, secretive about it. And number two, you know, everybody had a, a worker bee. Now I've got people that have completely different skill sets. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that ties out and ties in and then I don't know, man. Maybe we do three, four, five seasons, and then we do like a champion season for no reason, you know, and just yeah, have MTV style. Have, yeah, have the people who have won go compete against each other in some sort of a challenge or whatever. But I'm pumped, man. I think it's going to be really good. And I, you know, the number one thing I would tell anybody, and this episode will probably hit before, the, eh, maybe right at the deadline. But I mean, the thing I would tell anybody, and I'll give you this advice: just be yourself, be authentic. That's it. Period. That's what. That's what's going to get people to become endeared to you. Um, you know, you don't need to try and please everybody. You just need to try and get the people who you're going to relate to, to buy into what you're doing. Um, and that's the same thing with anything else. It's just like when you're marketing or blogging or whatever, I'm not, I don't do blog posts and videos to make everybody like me or make everybody happy. I do blog posts and videos to relate to those people that do follow the content that I put out because that's the place where it's making the most impact. And so I think that's the, that's the best advice I could give is just, you know, be as creative as you can, but be as authentic as you can. And if you could do that, you'll skate through with no problem. That's the dream. We'll be there. We'll be there. Sweet. All call right, my man, shot. Listen. I'll point towards it. That's it. I'm, I'm calling my <laughs> shot right now. Who and now I'm one out? minute into this. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you taking out? Mitch Gibson? I'm waiting to see if Mitch. Gibson Bro, I don't know. I Mitch actually lives down the road from me. Did you know that? I knew he was close, but I wasn't sure exactly where. 
Yeah, he actually he was texting me this morning. He went to go see a big manufacturer, so he's got a leg up. So if that hits in Jan one, I'm gonna be annoyed. But um, Mitch, is, I really hope he joins. We're supposed to get lunch last week, but he bailed on me, so I want him to know that too. Um, he, <laughs> I I would call out Mitch Gibson in a heartbeat. He's a very competitive spirit, and he's got Good. better companies than me. So that's all right. I, I I like the underdog man. I think yeah. in, in your stash game crushes his. So yes, thank you. He's got shit facial hair. <laughs> all right man but he does have fainting goats and i you know i can't speak for you but i have none so he's got me there he's got me there too he got me on that one all right well listen brother i appreciate you coming on thank you for spending some time with us thank you for carrying kyle's part you know when he decided he was going to bail early on us uh look forward to releasing this look even more forward to seeing a submission video from you so really appreciate you coming on if anybody wants to reach out to you because they have questions about what it's like to deal with financial services payroll all of the other stuff you've got going on where do they find you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Sean Kirby. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Sean Kirby. Um, you can check out my local podcast, Performance Group Podcast. You can check out my website, performancegroupindiana.com, and then um, be happy to talk through things. Awesome, man. I appreciate it so much. Hope everybody has a great week. We'll catch you next time. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. <laughs> <laughs>